This is The Dose, the dose of positivity, hosted by the one and only Mike Diamond. I'm Mike Diamond, and this is A Dose of Positivity. Uh, Two years ago, a little over two years ago, I was uh, on a podcast called The Playbook. Uh, Dave Melser uh, interviewed me and we had an incredible conversation and a lot of people say it was um, the podcast that really put me on the map and um, maybe it did because um, I'd, I'd done a lot of podcasts up until then but it was an incredible podcast because after that Dave and I collaborated uh, on a weekly show that's now been running for two years I pitched him on a dose of positivity and, and now obviously a dose of positivity uh, is the name of my second book which will be coming out March 2023 it's actually available right now for pre-order if you go on the Amazon link or the Random House link um, and we sat down and we we went through a really incredible conversation about life so this is what this one's from the vault um, it's Dave Melser and I on the playbook. I hope you guys have a blessed day. And remember, go out and be kind and drop a dose of positivity on someone else and make their day. On this episode of the playbook, I have Mike Diamond, speaker, author, and Guinness world record holder. And we're going to talk about how he struggled with abusive home, suffering, undiagnosed dyslexia, and bullying and what he took a dose of to make himself such an amazing success. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs of the Playbook, and this may be one of the longer versions because I'm already so excited with Mike Diamond. He is a speaker, author, Guinness record holder, right? I am too, by the way. We'll get into that. Um, but he wrote a book called Seven Steps of Unbreakable Mindset, which is right up my alley. Very rarely am I super stoked to talk to someone that doesn't have like the famous name. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you're Katie Couric. You're going to interview Katie Couric. That's super cool. But... <laughs> As I did research on you and everybody around my office is like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And to the last person who didn't know you that got to meet you, Alex, she came upstairs and she was just lit up with energy going, oh, you two are twins. This is going to be out of control. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to get right to it. Your journey uh, has been one of uh, growth and acceleration really and and you're very honest and illuminating which i try to be my i make it a practice to illuminate what i can i'm still full of shit sometimes and it drives me crazy and anytime i am i try to illuminate like hey i'm really sorry that wasn't really true right i exaggerated <laughs> um but we learn from being that way yep and so i'm gonna go back you were born in australia yep you have kind of the, the quantum bs in you to to abuse ourselves you, you know, hundred percent. Where did that come from in your childhood? Well, I started. So I was born in Perth, which yeah. is geographically the most isolated capital city in the world. 
Right. <laughs> and I grew up there before the internet and before anything. So it's it's the Stone Age. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm Greek, Italian, Middle Eastern, and you're, it's very white. Yeah, so you're a mutt. I, I'm like all mixed up, bunch of white kids, they're me looking like this, <laughs> without the man bun. I was a kid, obviously. And, and um, I found out the man bun is real, even is though real. somebody asked him that, which I can't believe. Yeah, it's not a clip on. <laughs> yeah. And the muscles are real. I work for him. <laughs> yeah. So um, very abusive childhood, uh, physically and mentally from my parents. Now, I am un was undiagnosed dyslexic, so I had a lot of learning issues. But I was a super athlete, yeah. um, really good athlete, but just couldn't function at school in the sense of like, when I was a kid, you know, my teacher, fourth grade, brought you out in front of the class and said, read, and all the kids laughed at you. Yeah. yeah they weren't like, oh. So you get laughed at all day long at school and, and then beat up the, at home. At home. So and emotionally abused, which is even emotionally. Worse. And then the problem was, my older brother was uh, had got measles encephalitis at seven, so he went into a coma. And then my sister was thirteen weeks premature. So you know, my dad, hardworking European, worked twelve hours a day. My mum, people please up. My dad would just unload on me. Yeah. So I was, was always he a drinker too. No. No, really, Never just drank, angry, just angry, rageaholic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I was always in fight, flight, or freeze. I'm always in my sympathetic nervous system. There is a no time where I was, could like function and just, just it allow was, things to happen. Yeah. So 12 years old, drink. Wow. Are you kidding me? Pain's Th gone. This is amazing. Yeah. Like liquor. Are you kidding me? And my dad owned a liquor store. But didn't drink. Didn't drink. But wow. there was plenty of like liquor access. and storage in that house. So what I do? I started hustling. Yeah. 12 years old. When I hit high school, it was like... Selling liquor, selling cigarettes, selling pot. I just got into trouble. Yeah. Just, I just, and I mood altered. And if you gave me a drug back then, like whether it was acid, whether it was smoking or drinking, I did it. Yeah. I just did it. I didn't think. And, and we don't care when we're young, right? Experimenting with different things, using different things. In transitioning, when did you get to leave that environment? Well, what happened is I got kicked out of school. Then At what I, age? At 16. Yeah. Then at 16, I went from one school to the next, which was really the transition because I went to the worst school possible from a really good school. My parents sent me to a private school. I got thrown out. Right. But I just went to the worst public school there was. Which is worse because you lost all your good customers because those Dude, kids were rich. They were that money. <laughs> right, right, right. This kid didn't have money at public school. See, there's the entrepreneur in me. Oh, yeah. I'm like taking oh, the yeah. angle going, damn. Yeah. damn he had a good, the guy went to business. poor schools as a kid and I used to be jealous. I'm like, mom, pay for the private school. I'll make so much more money. <laughs> That's so good, Hustling, right? right? True. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then I was at the public school, which got dark because like all the kids wanted to kill me. Sure. And because um, what had happened, they thought I ratted out some kids at the private school, which I didn't. I just got sprung and they're like, did you deal pot to these kids? I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. on you. And they didn't actually physically catch me. It was all word of mouth, but, you know, You're private young. school, word of mouth. <laughs> so fine. So I had to make a decision. I was like 16 and I knew I could do acting and I knew I could do music. I could just do it. Like I could get up and perform in front of people and I could sing in bands. So I was like, how do I get out of this, of Perth? Yes, yeah. yeah. And there was no like internet. There was no like uh, mentors. I had no mentors. Right. You know, indirect where you could look at someone's journey. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to move to Sydney. Were Would you reading you... any books? or? Were you, like, I was, but it, Perth was so, Perth is not a country where it's like built on mentorship and, you know, you go and read. read self there's no self-help. No self -help. Yeah, there's yeah. no like no read, think, and grow rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no Dave Meltzer and Wayne Dyer there. There you right? go. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. There's no unlimited power from Tony. 
Tony Robbins. Right, right. It's like, yeah. you're stupid. <laughs> you're you failed at school. You're stuck in stupid. You're stuck in stupid. And yeah. because they had that fixed mindset, there was no growth mindset or flexible mindset. So it's like, you're predetermined. You're an idiot. So interesting enough, we, you know, people who have the mindset to experiment or use have a different mindset. Absolutely. And people always ask me, why is it, Dave, like, you know, I, I know you experimented things, Dave, and people around you, like ha half of my friends is no accident, went to rehab, and I've been sober 10, 15 years, but why are they all so successful? I think it's the energy. I think an addict has a different form of energy. If we look at Robert Downey Jr., right? He yeah. went from crackhead to Iron Man. <laughs> So it's what we focus on expense. That should be your next book, bro. Right, Crack right? It to Iron Man. Crack it to yeah. Iron Man. But I can true. hook you up with him too. Right? So but I isn't it true? It's so true. So you look and at there's me, a lot of guys like that. Absolutely. I almost think of myself that way. Like, like whatever it was that allowed me to get into all this trouble and screw up so bad is also what is it's a that. a driver. What, yeah. You've got to have fire in your belly. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it isn't about health, right? Like we've been involved in some really unhealthy things, but yet you ran, th you know, literally 30, 30 straight half marathons. Yes. And, here's and you're thing. super healthy. But here's the thing. But this is the best story about that. So I'd never run a half marathon. And so here's the thing. June yeah. 14th. So I have ulcerated colitis, which is an incurable you're, bowel disease. You're an effing mess, bro. Oh, yeah. I love that. My stomach is like red. <laughs> so it's June 14th. If you're out there and you think you have it bad, just no. think about so what we know about him so far. Grew up in a freaking island with no internet way back yeah. when. Was beat up by his mom and dad. Emotionally abused. Dyslexic. Got kicked out of school yeah. and blamed for everything. Almost killed while he was in the other school. Yeah. Right? Broke. Broke. Nothing. <laughs> Not a pot to piss in or and a window to throw it now he has colitis in. and uh, acid reflux and a variety yeah. of problems. So it had... And he was an addict of alcohol and a bunch oh, of other things. cocaine and alcohol. Yummy. This so, is good. And, and yet, he wrote a book, Seven Steps to Unbreakable Mindset, which we'll get to. But this you'll awesome. love this story. So, I love all these so far. So, I'm not stopping. All right. So you, so I, it's June 14th. My wife comes in. It's my birthday. She goes, I got a surprise. I said, what? No, I knew she was pregnant. And she goes, it's your birthday. I got the, the test. We're going to have a baby boy. I'm like, cool. Now, I'm going to be honest. I wanted a baby girl. And I'll tell you why. Girls, when they get out, they go, I love my daddy, right? Daddy's the man. Daddy's this. I got I three of them. I right, get it. Right. <laughs> Boys are like, screw you, dad. How much can you bench? So I'm like, it would be good to have a little girl, right? Yeah. <laughs> just, just, yeah. But I don't. So that day I go to the I go to the gym and I'm always being a little bit crazy. And I thought, you know, I wonder what the most pull-ups in an hour is weighted. And it said 307 pull-ups in an hour. Oh, wow. Right. So I thought it was 45 pounds. I thought I'll throw 35 pounds on myself and do 300 pull-ups in an hour. See if I can do it. So I did it. Halfway through, my stomach is really hurting. But I just pushed through it because I got colitis. I'm like, whatever. So I come home and I'm kind of hunched over. My wife goes, what happened? I said, I hurt my stomach. She goes, typical. We're going to have dinner tonight for your birthday. You and your stomach. You know, <laughs> had to do a bunch of pull-ups. So that night we go out to eat and I don't eat a lot. And then... All night I'm sweating profusively and she's trying to sleep. She's pregnant. So I go down on the couch. So I'm just laying on the couch and I don't feel good. And then with colitis or Crohn's disease, they call it flaring. If you're flaring, it means you have diarrhea. Yeah. So I go to the bathroom and I don't have diarrhea. I'm like, oh shit, it's not colitis. It's either my appendix have burst or my gallbladder's shot. So she comes down. I don't want to panic her. I said, sweetie, yeah, you got to get pregnant. me to the ER. She's Hospital. like, why? I'm like, yeah, it's bad. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't want to panic you. I've got a massive pain tolerance, but something bad's happened. We get to the ER. I can't get off the floor. I'm like, give me a CT scan right now. They're like, why? I'm like, it's bad. I'm telling you right now. 
what's your pain? I'm like, 100, give me a CT scan. They give me a CT scan. They go, oh my God, you've been in septic shock for two days. Your appendix burst. Before you did the... Yeah, I didn't realize it was... I just thought it was colitis pain. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I was just... I'm in... But like, you're in colitis no. pain and you decide to do 300 Idiot. pull-ups, bro. Like, doing pull-ups, <laughs> like a caveman, right? There's well, no doubt why you're successful. This is awesome. Do through it. So Toughness th- and telephone, man. Those are the things just, that make people successful. So then what do I do? A doctor... No one wants to come in my network. They're like, he's too far gone. He's had septic shock for two days. A guy drives from Barstow to Glendora. Shows up. Right and looks at me and goes, "Oh yeah, this is bad." My wife's like, "What?" You're he like goes, a bunch of oh, no. Einstein's around. Yeah, here. like really bad. He's like, uh, "This is going to be about a three or four hour surgery." I'm taking your colon out. I said, "I, you can't take my colon out." He's like, "Why?" I said, "I'm not going to have a bag." He's like, "You know how many infections you're going to have?" He goes, "Your colon is done." I said, "Do me a deal. Get me through the surgery, right? Leave the colon in. I'll figure that out. Just don't. I don't want to have a bag, man. Yeah. Don't, just please. I'm a young dude." How old were you? Well, it was 44. Yeah. yeah. So he gets me through the surgery. I am bad, dude. Like eight days in the hospital, septic shock, healing. I come out with like tubes hanging out of my guts. And he goes to me, there's no way in hell you're going to heal by yourself. I'll give you six weeks. He goes, you either die from cancer from the infections or there's no way. He goes, there's no way you can heal by yourself. So I'd lost like 50 pounds. I was like, couldn't do anything. I was in the house and I was like, I'll figure this out. Lots of breathing, meditation, reading. And I st- I healed. I just healed myself naturally, right? I come back to him. He's like, oh my God, you're healed. I said, yes. So my, um, <laughs> crazy, my wife wakes up middle of the night. So this, uh, some time had passed. The baby comes seven weeks premature. I'm like, God, this is going to suck. Like seven weeks premature. Yeah. So I deal with it and I couldn't really exercise because I was so banged up. And I'm watching a documentary of this woman and she runs a hundred miles. And I thought, how the hell do you run a hundred miles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I was like, you know what? That's it. Crack it in me. I build a gym in the house. I go to my wife. I'm going to run. I'm going to push the baby. And she's like, to do what? I want to bond with the baby. And she's like, how far? I'm like, a half marathon. She's like, hold on. You've never run a half marathon. What do you do? Do a 5K. I'm like, I'm doing a half marathon. (laughs) She's like, you don't run. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I've got to figure out how she could run 100 miles. How does she, how do you do that? So I pushed the baby a half marathon, right? Did seven, eight weeks training. I tore my calf before because I hadn't really, didn't understand it. Right. Ran through it. And then I was like, I wonder how do I find a cause? And I found this little girl, Layla, to help raise money for her. And my good friend, Morgan Spurlock, me and Morgan are good friends. I said, no one cares about me raising money. How do I, what do I do? And he said, try and break a world record running half marathons. I said, great. (laughs) So I contact Guinness and I said, what's the record? They said 18. I said, I'll do the whole month. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, I'll run 30 half marathons in 30 days. They're like, yeah, okay, whatever gets better. So when I'm training, I, you know, a lot of diarrhea, my body's getting used to it, my autoimmune disease, I get a hernia. I have a massive hernia. So I go to the doctor, he goes, you can't run with a hernia. Not gonna happen, you'll you'll kill yourself. It'll strangulate. I'm like, I've gotta do it. My wife's like, really? You're gonna do it with a hernia? I gotta do it. I said, I'd do it. I said, I'd do 30, I'd raise the money, I'm gonna do it. Two days in, my hernia is a mess, her friend is in Greece eating lunch 
falls over. They rush him to the hospital. Eating lunch, he has a strangulated hernia. <laughs> so she's Eating like, lunch. Yeah, right. she's like, this is not going to happen. Right, right, How are you right, going right. to run 400 miles in a month? I said, you need to stay out of my way. Get out of my lane. I'm going to do it. I ran the 30 half marathons in 30 days. Some days I had to wear a diaper because I was just get up in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to shit 10 times. Right. My stomach's a mess. And I ran it with a hernia and I ran 30 half marathons in 30 days. So two questions come to mind. Yep. And I'm going to start with the easier one. Okay. How the heck did you get your wife to marry you? <laughs> She's really good. Do you know why? I'm big picture. Yeah. Right. And I'm, then I go super detailed. She just doesn't care. She's just like, and I do your thing. Right, and she'll give you advice and then let it go. Just let it go. She, yeah. Doesn't stay in my lane, ever. Always been that way. Yeah, well, she met me sober. My first wife, you know, yeah. she dealt with the coke and the drinking yeah. and the insanity in the clubs and Scott Weiland. So it was, this one has been so, I've been sober all the time, and yeah. she just kind of, know. I'm like, I'm going to so do she this. she party at all or she's completely Nothing. So, yeah. She doesn't even, so she's, she's a normie. Yeah, yeah, she's perfect for you. Yeah. All right, now bigger question. <clears throat> Someone asked me the other day, would you change your childhood, right? Like, what about it would you change, knowing that, like, it made you you? Like, I have a huge, high, high pain threshold, right? I was, you know, sexually abused, physically abused, not, not by my parents, but but, yeah. but abused, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just all the struggles of being so poor and the things that I had to deal with, uh, with my dad emotionally, and, you know, I, I couldn't pick out, I said, the only one that I would pick out to change that I don't think really strengthened me was being, like, sexually abused as a kid. Yeah. But all the other shit, you know, the poorness, the, you know, physical stuff that happened, like, the, the toughness stuff, I would never change. Like, even my parents getting divorced somewhere, I'm like, no way would I change that. Like, my dad leaving, like, all the things that you learn, what in your childhood because there's a lot of hard shit, but you're one of the toughest people I've ever met. And I literally believe toughness and telephone are what my kids need in order to be successful. They need to really know how to use a telephone because it's going to be, you'll see, this virus oh, yeah. is nothing oh, right yeah. now. No. When you know how to talk on a telephone, forget the Snapchat and the BS. Yeah, man. It's an emotional attachment. And then two, people aren't tough anymore. You hurt their feelings. We were talking about we can't mention, you can't even mention our favorite childhood comedians. You can't mention their names. Because we thought that shit was funny because it was socially acceptable to be funny. And now you're like a pariah. You yeah. might as well go live in Perth again. Yeah. But what is it about your childhood you would change that you still would, would, would you know, because you're one of the toughest, like that stories are just incredible. Something happened in your childhood. You're, you're born with a quantum fortitude. At least so am I. Yep. But beyond that, you got to be pushed. Yep. What would you change though that, was, that isn't something that's productive to make you tough? I wouldn't. Nothing. I'll tell you why. Um... I wouldn't change it for this reason. When I read a book like Man's Search for Meaning and Viktor Frankl. I just got it, yeah. The greatest yeah. positive the psychologist. Soup, yeah. Right? So you have, I love, the, all right, the reason I wouldn't change it now is because now I have all my high school friends that look at me and said, you said you'd shoot TV shows, you would do all this stuff, you did it, we're at home, we're miserable, how do you do it? Or they they are and they were way <laughs> you're right or, and they were way more book smart than me yeah so the way, the reason I wouldn't change it is because it's built me I can survive because I know my needs and my wants and when you look at Maslow and he had the hierarchy of needs right yeah Maslow doesn't talk about wants so when some if I'm going to coach someone work with someone I learn how to get unstuck because if I go hold on if I move to America with nothing but they they're, they're human beings like I am. And I can just think greater than my environment. 
and just work my butt off and save and keep it simple, keep my needs really simple. And I don't want too much. And I'm always willing to be of service and bring value and just outwork people. I have to get to the front of the line because I'm prepared to starve. So it, the reason I wouldn't change it now is because when I look back on it, I got myself sober. I'm massively self-reliant. I can go anywhere, anytime. I detox people on floors. If I have to get someone sober, I'll go stay on their floor for a month. I don't care. And because of that upbringing, because I was starved in the sense of I didn't have anything. It was like, they, they literally, you can't make it. It's impossible. I'm like, you're wrong. You don't know. And I always had intuition. So always had faith in the feeling that I could be greater than my environment. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I oh, always I knew it. Do. I saw it. I was like, if that person can do it, I've, I can do it. Yeah. I've always had that in yeah. my mind for what, and I didn't, don't know if it was quantum or environmental. When I say quantum, I mean, quantum. I believe the DNA yep, that yep, we have yep, 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 has yep, a yep. memory, yep. right? From past lives or yep. at least four generations that have passed to us. Uh, the other side is the critical part of mindset uh, in your book is a mindset of, of enjoying the shit. Yeah. Right. It goes beyond that. You can do it. Right. You you can lie on the floor for 30 days and help someone because you save lives, dude. I mean, yeah. Mike saves lives. And, you know, my mission in life is to make people happy. And every once in a while I get a gem on the Internet that's like, dude, you saved my life. I was in this deep, dark place and I didn't save their life. I, I, I gave them a different mindset. Perspective. Exactly. You reframed them. Exactly. And but yet we're both and I'm hopefully right about you, but. We're both sick in the sense that there's some really tough stuff that we go through and I'm enjoying it now while I go through it. Yeah. Like it doesn't scare me like it did when I was young. It's just like things happen and I just know this negative struggle or, or thing that's happening. I'm not only enjoying it, but I know it's pushing me to something better. Well, the pro I think the process of being able to endure and sit in things makes us whole. Everyone's afraid if it stings a little bit or it doesn't go your way. So it's like when someone asked me the other day, do I believe in purpose or passion? I'm like, I'm passion. I'm sorry, I'm purpose. I'll tell you why. Purpose keeps the glue stuck. Passion's a feeling. Right. It's motivation versus inspiration. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like I would rather go inspire, educate, motivate. If I can inspire you, educate, and motivate you through my actions, through my words, and being congruent, not just talking, walk the talk. Yeah. Get, I oh look, I don't get up in the morning and like at four four thirty and go yeah no <laughs> I don't I do <laughs> I don't get up like that but what I do yeah. is I get up and I know process I love the process because I know if I stay in process of doing my meditation working out reading reading something positive viewing something positive and 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 really priming myself I know the process is going to make me feel good so I forget how I feel. And I associate massive regret and loss for not following through. Right. That's how I get Powerful. myself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I go, do. When someone said to me, look, every human being, very simple, we're trying to avoid pain and we want to gain pleasure. So how are you going to get your dose? D-O-S-E. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. There's empowering ways to get a dose. And there's disempowering ways. I love that. Right? That's so what so did I do yeah. for years? I did the disempowering. Cocaine, one of the best stimulants in the world to get a fucking dose, excuse my language, yeah, for it. dopamine, right? Yep. So what I do, I snorted shitloads of it. 
I could still get up in the morning. I could still do a function, open businesses, but I did massive amounts of coke. Yeah. Same with sex. I wanted my dose. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're a good looking girl and you're in the bar and I owned the bar, I got my dose quick. So now what do I do? Then when I felt me, I'm not getting, it doesn't feel like, cause I, I'm all about process. Yeah. I get in it and feel it. If, if I'm not getting what I want out of it, what do I do? I change the approach. That's, right. that's why I don't believe the in failure. Yeah. I don't believe it's such a thing of failure. Me neither. No. Right. So you look at the word failure. F A I L. You get frustrated, right? Frustrating leads to anger. Anger leads to what? Insecurity. And insecurity leads to lack of perseverance. Yeah. Fail. Nothing gets done. F-A-I-L. Yeah. Right? So why? Change my approach. Yeah. It's interesting. I want to tell you my definition of that is enjoying the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your potential. Right? That's the dose that I get in the practice and the process. I talk about practice because I have you know, more of the agentry sports background where I've witnessed great athletic ability and accomplishment, which are two separate things, right? Yes. Because the most successful, including my business partner, Warren Moon, it's not just athletic ability. It, it's accomplishment with it. It's the practice. It's the practice. There's well, plenty of at, guys that Look at Ryan Leaf and look at- Yeah, uh, who's my client as well. Right, Ryan Leaf <laughs> versus Peyton. Yeah. Ryan, when you look at athletically, better player. No doubt. Better quarterback. And more, at least Steinberg Taller, better arm. Stronger arm, no right? doubt. Took Washington State and won the Rose Bowl. There you go. Right, yeah. I mean, the winner. And I'm an Australian guy, and I follow him. I can follow American football. He's a perfect, you'll love this. Yeah. So, so I go to someone the other day, when you take Larry and you take Magic, and even Kobe used to say how Larry couldn't jump or run, I go, when you look at athletic ability, Magic had more athletic ability. He could jump higher. He could move faster, right? Right. But Larry loved process. Larry could throw a thousand three throws and go three seconds on the clock, look at his opponent and go, it's going in. Give me the ball. He would tell people. That's process. He didn't have the gift, the DNA to yeah. move like those players, but he had the grit. He had the perseverance. He had the ability to see here what he could envision and grab and just went for it. Yeah. Russell Wilson's the same way. Russell compared, Wilson. Yeah. And also Steph Curry compared to LeBron James. The, the perfect example. Yeah. And LeBron James follows process, which makes him even a little bit higher. He's but a not to the level of Steph Curry. No, but he has that discipline. Exactly. Exact. Oh, for sure. And I tell stories about, you know, young kids who grew up at, you know, admiring LeBron James and get drafted by the Lakers and go in there and they think first day here, I'm going to be the first one in the gym and it's five 30 and they see LeBron who's already broke a sweat they right? go. with all the gifts that he, and he may be the most extraordinary as far as quantum memory, like DNA athletes. I believe LeBron James may be one of the best ever seen on earth. Like his strength, he's his speed, good. his He's hand. like a Bo Jackson. Yeah, like Bo Can, Jackson. Like Bo Jackson, Bo was, Jackson a freak. was exactly. He is a he was a humanoid. Yeah. Like he's such a freak. Like I actually believe, and you'll get this because you're into the scene, but Bo Jackson was such a biochemical freak, the way his ATP, that his own structure, his ligaments and tendons couldn't handle the amount of yeah. power. That God gave that's him. That's why he got that's what he got. It had nothing to do with working out. Like literally, God gave him so much power. He could bench four thirty five and he really never worked out. But he ran the legitimate four three. Which like, is insane. Insane. And he had incredible hand eye coordination. But literally his own structure couldn't handle the amount of power that God gave him. Um and to that point, I want to get to something interesting. Uh 
I believe that we are connected to this unbelievable source of energy. Absolutely. All right? And these lessons, light and love are all in this connection that Absolutely. we have. And that we, like your dual definition of dose, can either extract this extraordinary lessons, energy and light, yep. or the dose can create an interference and corrosion to it. Absolutely. So look at it like this, right? So if it's all about my state, okay? Yeah. My physical state. If you look at really getting talking about your source, where you talk, Napoleon Hill talked about infinite intelligence, or The Secret talks about source energy, or a great book uh, by Brian Tracy talks about superconsciousness, maximum achievement. We read all the same stuff. Right? Great. <laughs> so look at it like this. If we go into history, we talk about the pineal gland, okay? The yep. pineal gland is the third eye. The third eye is beyond these two that connects you to your intuition, which is your source. Now, if I am disempowered, right? And if we look at two incredible human beings, for example, Hitler and Viktor Frankl. Yeah. Hitler Closely was disturbed, related, right? Hitler <laughs> yeah. was disturbed, yeah. right? And took the resentment and the poison to poison others and got disconnected by from source and love and compassion. Viktor Frankl who suffered from Hitler, connected to source, removed disempowering emotions and feelings to create positive psychology in a concentration camp to survive and then live to in his 90s with logotherapy. That's a perfect example of connecting with source and disconnecting with source about how you think, feel, and act. Yeah, and I would have one subtle change through reading the same text that you have and understanding those two individuals is that... I hate disconnecting. So what I like to tell people is, is a classic example of someone creating more interference and corrosion to that which he was connected to yep. and another that continually just cleared it. Yep. No matter what their physical circumstances were. So like unsynchronizing and yeah, synchronizing. Exactly. And some people say going away from source or towards source. Viktor yep. Frankl was constantly journeying towards the light through the clouds. Yep. And Hitler was just the dark. going farther and farther Into away the from dark. The, Yeah. It's like that great uh, poem about the, the, the Indian Cherokee and the two wolves. Which wolf are you going to feed? Oh, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you going to feed the resentments and the anger and the disempowering? Or star. Or are you going to feed the empowering? You know what I mean? And it's all about, I totally, look, I do this. If I feel stuck, I stop. And I always do this method called the stop method, which is stop and I breathe. That's so cool. I call it stop, drop, and roll. Okay. Because I always say stop. my mind, body, and soul are on fire. My mom told me, you ever catch on fire, stop, drop, and roll. Brilliant. Right? So I stop. Yep. I drop, drop down to center. And I roll in the right trajectory, yep. the truth consciousness. Brilliant. So on to that level with the seven steps of yep. the unbreakable mindset, and which you do have, and I'm practicing. And I'm sure you're still practicing oh, these, I right? I live it. Um, you know, we, we talk about ego. Yeah. Edging goodness out of our lives, creating whatever it is. I find it very important to have an unbreakable practice of my mindset uh, in order to constantly be aware and define what causes this corrosion to this unbelievable source. And I felt this source and continually practice getting closer to the light, but ultimately there's a separation, a need to be right, a need to be offended, yep. a need to be inferior, superior, which sometimes happen at the same time. Yeah. Uh, a need to be frustrated, anxious, angry, you know, resentful, all of these different things that I've just classified that created this corrosion. Um, and I have a practice of first, let's identify not only when these occur, but why they're occurring. Yep. You know, cool. I still process my relationship with my father, 
you know, when I feel these things. And it, it seems so funny. I have all these like woo-woo friends uh, because they read the same stuff that we do. So, you know, they do body testing and channeling and all types of healings. You know, look back here. I'll show you because you're going to love it. I do, you know, karmic downloads off of calligraphies around the corner here. I have a six-foot master Dr. Shaw gave me every day. I trace calligraphies for downloads, which, you know, whether they work or not, uh, awesome. Right. For, for me, they work. And I always tell people, you're going to try weird shit. Two things. One, what's the risk? Right. There's no risk in that. And two, if it works for you, good. Yeah. If it clears that connection, those Absolutely. are the only truths. But the ego and identifying it's so important. What is your perspective or mindset about one, being aware of the ego, and two, the practice of trying to stay in truth consciousness where you can allow all this to happen? So I do two things. Because, um, like that famous thing, what we focus on expands. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Attention plus intention equals coincidence. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I'm a math guy. <laughs> if you look at, I look at, well, I always do the stop method, which is stop, take a breath, observe and proceed. Because that creates that space between fight, flight and freeze, acting out to, you know, parasympathetic, rest and digest. Staying present. In the perceived part, because it's obvious the first two. Yeah. Like you've got to perceive where I'm, where I'm being dysfunctional, where it, I'm acting Talk through out. that for people because, you, you know, you talk about perception and it seems to be obvious for you and I, but I find the 87% in a lower vibration. The have ones that trouble. Mean, they have okay. trouble understanding when I'm like, just perceive it. Well, there's a it really is a mindset thing. tool. Oh, it's all mindset. So there's three things that I love to do. If we're having a conversation right now or I'm having a thought, it's information. Which this conversation, by the way, is a dose for me. I don't know if you feel the same I that yeah. I do. I'm like yeah. super, I'm literally, I feel like I'm in my state of meditation. I'm like, I'm heating up. I'm like, there's so much freaking energy in the yeah, studio. I'm compared the cameras are working. It's great. Right? Love is serious. I'm ready so for one of them to break. It's so awesome. <laughs> They'll be like, shit, we didn't get any of that audio because we have interfered like so much energy in this room. They're like, so shit, good. worst interview ever. They lost us. <laughs> That's the universe. So anyway, and you're one of the few people that totally understand what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, no, no, no. All right, yeah. but anyway, but there are the 87. percent So that's, all right. So information. Yeah. Right. Either I'm having a thought, which is giving information to my, you know, my feelings, my body. Right. Neuropeptides to, um, sorry, transmitters to peptides, or I'm giving you information. Right. Then when you get that information, if you're disturbed, you become curious. Ooh, that's interesting. So if I come into a situation and you're really talking to me in a tone that could trigger me. Instead of getting triggered, you're in the information. Ooh, that's that's interesting. Wow, become curious, right? Mm. The third thing that saves your life, take nothing personal. Yeah, rule number six, right? Uh, Wayne Dyer talks about Xander's, right? Rule number yeah. six, right? Don't take yourself so goddamn seriously. Because if, <laughs> if I can step back, right, for a second, and there's a great method I use. First person is me. Second person is your perspective. Third person is looking at both of us. And if you're building rapport with someone, you really want to build rapport with someone, forget what I think because my map of reality is different from yours based on where you're from, right? And inaccurate senses and inaccurate memory. It's all perception. Right, which are inaccurate senses and inaccurate memory. I keep telling people, right. you're basing everything off an inaccurate senses and inaccurate memory. So give it that. Give it, step back. Yeah. Right? So yeah. step back and then I look at your perspective. So if I'm out of rapport right in any situation and i have the ability to step back from myself and look at you because based on who you are whatever your motivation is there's got to be a driver so if someone goes out and for example kills someone okay what drove it 
what's the driver? Or if someone like me and you becomes lifters, because I call them engine or anchors, we're engines, we want to drive people, anchors want to hold you back. Yep. There's a reason we become drivers, where there's a reason we want to inspire people. Now, if you look, go deeper and say, oh, well, they were beaten down, they were bullied, now they've flipped it. Now, you get a person that we maybe we grew up with that was beaten, bullied, abused, and they're the opposite. They bring people down. There's a reason there's got to be a driver. So if you can understand the motivation of the human being, what's driving it? What's the motivation behind the motivation? You could then say you, you can have compassion and emotional intelligence. You don't judge someone. You're like, wow, that's where they're at. Right. And that's in interesting because those were the two, for me, steps that I take that are coordinated with your three steps is one, understanding. Right, which takes on the three perspectives. Yep. That's a full understanding. Yours, mine, and, and the third. third. And looking in. And then you brought up the second, which to me is key, forgiveness. Absolutely. Massive. Massive, right? Massive. I, of course, a miracles guy at all. Oh, Have yeah. Ever, yeah, yeah. You've so, got to live in forgiveness. Ex explain why. Well, first of all, if, if you've done me wrong, so to speak, or I've taken the need to be offended, person, need to be offended <laughs> yeah. right? which I is an easy need to feed. I always say, I wish the world could be fed as food as quickly as we could feed the need to be offended. Right? Nobody would starve. No one. The minute you have a need to be offended, it feeds itself like that. Right. And that means my perception's off. Yeah. It has to be. It comes back on me. Yeah. Like, because really, look, at the end of the day, and I do this and... And I tell people, if the average American, say, lives to 70 or 80, say it's 78 or 80, I'm like, take your, take your age from that number. I'm like, well, and I go, that's how many summers you've got left if you live to 80. Are you going to sweat the small stuff? <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Life is so precious in a body. I believe we are spirits having a human experience. That's what I believe. Me what too. everyone else believes, that's why I don't attach so much on matter in the sense of, everything material i want to know the source and then i try to get inside myself and then synchronize with other people in my source that have the same values and rules absolutely because you know what i mean values and rules are important i am inventory every day you my values to. and rules every people don't and i'm not and i'm not afraid to be a hypocrite which you're not as well and I think that's important to say, look, every day I look at my personal experiential giving and receiving values. I take inventory and they may be effing different than they were yesterday even, let alone 10 years ago. So I'm okay with people who have a snapshot of me 10 years ago and be, Dave Meltzer's full of shit. Dave Meltzer's an asshole. Dave Mel I'm okay with that because Absolutely. that's who it is and what it is. But I know what my values are today yes. and they're just different than they were 10 years ago. And they're gonna be, here's this, I, I, I teamed up with this incredible company in New York, right? Um, called AXA Equitable. And one of the guys heard me on a podcast, Ryan. And he's like, dude, can you come out to the group? I said, yeah. We built some rapport and I jumped in, I did a talk and the main guy there, Lou and Joe, and I'm working with them now on mindfulness, mindset, motivation. And the greatest thing they do with, they do wealth management is holistic wealth management, rules, values, helping people, helping people. And I work with the management guys out there yeah. in New York and I travel back and forth. And it's like, we get in a conversation for an hour and we are all on fire because they're not trying to take people's money. They're trying to teach people the value and the principles of 
managing needs and wants in in a mindfulness way and then saying okay you need to do this this way because this is the return in the long term to protect yourself and your family and your assets and that doesn't exist anymore people no. are just gouging people you and i are so similar I, I work with morgan stanley in new york the same way and talk about making room for what people want shifting the paradigm of value completely where where they work with financial planners and and fiduciaries in different respect of how much they're going to get in a scarce environment of you know not enough or just enough and allow them to live in abundance and holistically look at it exact same thing all right i told you we're going to go way over so last question because i love i you know i'm going to go read this tonight (laughs) the seven steps of unbreakable mindset what's the number one takeaway or driver of this book Good. That's a really good question. Finally, I asked one. Longest, longest interview I've had all week, and he finally asked one good question. No, no, no. no. I'm I'm giving you, that's a really good this question. is my stall thing. I'm no, giving no, you time to think about it. I, I feel um, the first chapter I open up and I give people a, a really good technique of how to manage fear and their sympathetic nervous system because I think – when we're disempowered with fear through thinking, feeling, and acting, or the environment triggers the fear, like Pavlo's dog, ring the bell, bang. Um, if we can engage in a technique like you do, stop, drop, and roll, or I do, you know, the stop method, and manage that fight, flight, or freeze. Like I, I, I say to people, you know, we think we're smarter than animals, right? But if you see a, a, a zebra and you see it's on lunch break in the Serengeti, when it senses the lioness and takes off because it realizes it's going to be lunch if it doesn't take off and it disappears for the day and say it's the feel-good Nat Geo, the one thing a zebra doesn't do that we do all day is a zebra doesn't sit there going, I hate lionesses, I hate lionesses, I hate lionesses because it doesn't have a developed prefrontal cortex. So it doesn't sit in traffic all day and take that one thought. Like I say to people, I'll give you a perfect example. 16 ounces of water is not heavy. It's a 16 ounce bottle. But if I told you today as an exercise to take the 16 ounces and hold it above your head for three days, they're like, I'm like, is that heavy? Like it weighs on you like the negative thoughts. I love that. So that small 16 ounces over time is corrosion. Like you said, separates you from source in that way. You're moving away from source. So the book starts off and the ripple effect of the first step of managing the sympathetic nervous system and staying in rest and digest and healing your immune system by thinking, feeling and correctly in alignment, then the other steps roll into your goal setting and, you know, having the will to learn the skill, creating values and rules and developing EQ and, you know, uh, social intelligence, self-discipline and willpower. But I think if you can't manage your sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system, you can't manage your fear, which leads to stress. And we, abundant country, we're all on pain pills and dying of stress. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's why we have the news so you can have commercials for all the things that heal it, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here's a whole bunch of stress. Yeah. Now here's some pills to go yeah, heal the stress. Feeling lonely? Yeah, it's the middle of the night. You're feeling tired? It's four in the morning. I got the pill for you. And it's always the golden retriever. Exactly. With the woman in the hair. You don't even know what the commercial's about. It's like, I'm going to go fishing for, I'm going to go clamming, you know, this is going to heal me. And then the fast forward of the side effects, you know, rectal bleeding. That was why I got off the colitis medicine because they gave me these medicine, all this crap, the steroids, the prednisone. And I was like, dude, this is, I'm going to stab my wife in the neck. You got me jacked up on prednisone. Like this is like a straight steroid. It it makes you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't take this. 
my wife would say something and I'd be like, I'm a punch in the face. <laughs> because it was just, I was jacked up. I'm like, i got to get off all these pills. Which is another advantage of Lisa using drugs because you knew it was the drugs. It definitely Right? I, that's why I don't take, I'm the same. I, Dr. Gladys is one of my mentors. She's turning 100 uh, and she was 93 prescription free. She had a fall at 100 and healed so quickly, but only took three days of Advil. That was all she would take. Amazing. And they thought she was, and, and she's brought holistic medicine to America. You have to look her up, Dr. Gladys in Arizona. She's our kind of woman. Um, wow, this has been amazing. I knew it would be amazing. You. If you haven't checked out Mike Diamond, obviously you will and have now, but you gotta check him out, Seven Steps to Unbreakable Mindset. I'm sure there's a ton of other great content that I'm gonna start exploring as well. Every once in a while, two soulmates get together, create incredible energy, go back, watch this thing again, uh, watch and watch it, because I know this is an entrepreneurial show. We got so many people with entrepreneur that watch this. This is actually one of the best podcasts I've ever done for the instruction manual to make money and we never once brought it up. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. This is one of my new best friends, Mike Diamond with Dave Meltzer, Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook. And that was your dose of positivity with Mike Diamond.